Welcome to the Truth Wars podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We wanted to let you know that Olin's first book, What to Do with Worry, is now available on Audible. You can also purchase physical copies where Christian books are sold. Now, here's Olin. John chapter 4, in a sense this will be the segue talk. This is training our disciples to do evangelism, but then after lunch, Ben's going to do all the really good evangelism stuff. So, same context. I mean, literally, we're, we skipped the Nicodemus story, but early in Jesus' ministry, I mean, earliest days, weeks, he's got five or six men doing normal life together, they had to travel, they're going to go through Samaria. A lot of devout Jews, they hated the Samaritans, they were half-breed, Racially, but also, more importantly, spiritually. So they shunned them. They, they would go way out of the way to go around. Jesus, Jesus loved to break non-divine rules. Kind of rub it in people's faces. So he goes straight through the city. Let's look at uh, just the beginning. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard the disciples, that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Let's skip down to verse 8. Where his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So, they're moving. Jesus stays to talk to this woman. All the disciples are gone. We're going to skip the entire conversation Jesus has with the woman for the sake of time. Although, it's a great interaction about learning evangelism and how to do evangelism, how to train evangelism. But, we're talking about more specifically, how do I teach my disciples how to do evangelism? Three quick points. Sharing the gospel, the spiritual harvest, and then sowing and reaping. So sharing the gospel, skip all the way to the end of the conversation, verse 25. We get to see the very end. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? Most rabbis back then religious Jewish teachers would have said, you don't talk to women in public. Not even your wife. I mean, most rabbis kind of had the idea, women are just a distraction from studying the Torah. Study the Torah, study the Torah, don't don't deal with women. But again, Jesus, he's talking to a stranger. We're going to find out, you know, bottom of the bucket type person. She's a Sumerian woman in public. Jesus is willing to break any kind, almost any boundary to share the gospel. And there needs to be something in that our heart, that level of urgency and insistence we're willing to break. I mean, when I look at my own life, when I am sinful in the area of evangelism, I'm not sharing the gospel enough. I'm like, why? What's the real reason? All right, it's too easy to go, well, I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm making choices. And what is it? I don't love people enough. I mean, that's the deepest reason. I don't love God enough. I'm not obeying <coughs> But at just a real practical surface level, it's social awkwardness. That's what it boils down to. I don't want to feel socially awkward. I don't want them to feel socially awkward. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, how much do you think we're going to care about social awkwardness? I'm not saying you've got to be an insane, obnoxious person on the side of the road with a big neon orange cross that says, Turn or Burn. I don't think that's effective anyway. Yes, there's a time and a place, but most of us err far too on the side of being cautious. 
and Jesus was willing to just kind of do it anytime, anywhere. Y'all have read this chapter before, right? You remember how it starts out? Can I have a drink? You being a Jew, you're asking me for a drink? He's like, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. Well, you don't even have a bucket to get me anything. I'm not talking about physical water, I'm talking about spiritual water. On the scale of like smooth transitions. <laughs> right? That's not a, that wasn't like a cool transition, Jesus. You didn't ease into the gospel. It was, just, it was pretty awkward. But who cares? Good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. Should be. So, share the gospel in your own life. That's the, the best way to train your disciples to share the gospel is you share the gospel. Morse caught them taught model. But the second thing, you've got to talk to them about the spiritual harvest. So look at the conversation he's going to have. Verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Y'all know how, I just want to go ahead and say this. Y'all know how the story ends, right? Basically, the whole village comes to Christ. He starts with the town slut, and he gets the whole village. Is there a place for the influencer strategy? Yes, I'm not against it. But I go back to what I said earlier. Spend the most of your time with the people that are most hungry. Because this kind of stuff happens. I can't remember if it was my first or second New Year's conference. It was one of those. Late 90s, I'm either a freshman or a sophomore, and I remember Curtis Tanner giving a talk about this passage, and here was his point. I still remember it. So there is a place for upfront teaching. Right? He said, Jesus saw the many through the one. Jesus realized I can reach the whole village through one. And so can you. You can reach the whole fraternity, the whole football team, the whole freshman dorm through one. Find the hungry one and go. <clears throat> so, yeah, 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Now, they're blockheads. Verse 33. So, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you. Lift up your eyes. See that the fields are white for harvest. And probably what he means there, it's hot. People wore white robes back then. All the men of the village are coming out to talk to them. And sometimes there were certain types of grain or crop that when it was time for harvest, it would kind of look white on the top of the grain. And Jesus is like, look at the fields. They're white for harvest. He's pointing all these people coming. You ever watch Shark Tank? Any of y'all watch Shark Tank? You know, and sometimes when they're really trying hard to get a deal with Mark Cuban or whatever, they'll say, I eat and drink this business. And what are they saying? They're like, I'm so passionate about this business, it's more important than food to me. I skip food. And sometimes we have stuff like that in our life, right? What we really want to do, I'll skip a meal to get there. Jesus is saying, I like winning souls more than I like eating. Jesus is not against eating. Remember, he got accused of being a drunkard and a, glut, a glutton. He liked eating so much. John Calvin said, he prefers the salvation of the woman to his own wants. Is that true of us? So, Christmas, year and a half ago, 
I mean, if there's one day of the week you should be with your family, you should not do ministry. It's Christmas, right? We can all agree with that, right? You might be the most workaholic. I work 364 days a year, right? I mean, Walmart, but they just take Christmas off. <laughs> Christmas Day, trying to spend some time with my family. My wife and daughter, you know, it's sunshiny in Birmingham on Christmas. They're like, Dad, let's go for a walk. I'm like, great. Love to spend time with y'all. Whatever y'all want to do, go for a walk. So we go outside. Some of y'all probably heard me talk about this before, but I, there's a Hindu family that lives next to me. And I, with a couple of them, I've tried to have multiple conversations. They're from India. And uh, conversations are very hard and frustrating. They're, they're very talkative. They like us. They like to talk. But it's very hard to understand through the very thick accent, right? And Mr. Johnny, okay, J-A-N-I, he's out there. Oh, hello, sir. Merry Christmas. You know? And what I think in my heart is, oh, crap. Right? I don't want to talk to Johnny on Christmas Day. I want to say Merry Christmas, right? Well, look, Merry Christmas to you. Right? I'm going to walk my family. And my wife... She knows me and the situation long enough. She said, me and Sophia are going to start walking. We'll stay on our street and you just catch up. Okay. So I go, I mean, but it is Christmas Day, the day we celebrate the birth of our Savior. So I go over, we start talking, and I'm really trying to fight the frustration in my heart, right? I want to be relaxing. I want to be with my family. I don't want to be having this hard, awkward conversation. But I also want to be a faithful Christian. And we ended up having the best com- gospel conversation I've had with him up until this point. He didn't pray to receive Christ, but I made more progress that day than I ever have. Now, it took so long that eventually my wife's like, we're going to go ahead around the block, right? Just catch up. There's sacrifice, guys, in this. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be instantaneous revival like this. But it's sowing and reaping. It's going back to that same principle. You keep sowing to the spiritual deeds and there'll be fruit. So, verse 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. He's showing them the urgency of gospel ministry. Here's Calvin again. It is astonishing how drowsy and indolent they, the disciples, are in gathering the heavenly wheat. And daily experience proves that this wickedness not only is natural to us, but can scarcely be torn from our hearts. For while all provide for their earthly life to a distant period, How indolent are we in thinking about heavenly things? Even Christian ministers, guys, right? We we got our retirement plan. We're planning. But when it comes to loving other people and thinking for their eternity, it's like we have to be tearing it from our heart, this drowsiness that we have. And if we got to be tearing it from our heart, how much more we got to be tearing it from our disciples' heart? Again, deeper in the basics. Just love people. Think about eternity. Live in light of eternity. I'm saying it to myself and I'm saying it to them. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do not merely look out for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. I love the Bible. It's so practical. You can think for yourself. The Bible never says be selfless. We say that sometimes. The Bible doesn't say that. Of course, you got to think for your own interest. you got to get some food. you got to get some money. you got to get some time with your family. you got to have a Sabbath. All that. Paul just says, just make sure you think about other people more than yourself. And guys, just try it for a week. 
Every time you have an interaction with anybody, family member, friend, random dude on the highway, I'll think for myself, I just think for them first, and you'll see how selfish you are. And I'm oftentimes seeing how selfish I am. Now, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, Moses and the other prophets, and, and really probably me and John the Baptist, we're doing the heavy lifting. We're the ones out here preaching. I have teed you guys up. A whole village is going to come. Y'all are about to get to be a part of a Billy Graham crusade altar call, and y'all hadn't done anything except buy the snacks. <laughs> so application. Two possible objections. You're like, but Olin, we talk about modeling evangelism in Campus Outreach. This was not modeling. Let's be honest. Modeling's hard, right? I, I'm for modeling. We ought to do it. But it's, it, it, it can be hard and awkward at times, right? It's already hard enough. Bob, will you please show up this time and not stand me up in the food court? I want to talk to you about something really important like hell. So, and Bob finally shows up. But now I've got to coordinate. Oh, yeah, wait. I've got to coordinate Jack's schedule too so he can show up. Listen, model, model, do everything you can to model. But what about when it's just not working out? You notice what Jesus did afterwards. He downloaded the conversation. How do we have a record of the whole conversation? Any of y'all watch The Chosen? I've only seen like two episodes. But one of the ones I saw was the Nicodemus episode. And the way it portrays it is like John is kind of like hiding around the corner listening. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Maybe John was like hiding by the well listening, right? I don't know. But more than likely what happened is Jesus said later, after there's revival, they're like, well, what would you say to her? He's like, well, let me tell you about it. When I finally caught up to Sophia and Lena walking around the block, my sweet little daughter, she's like, Dad, what were you talking to Mr. Johnny about? Well, I was getting to talk to him about Jesus and salvation. And I got to, in a sense, download to my little daughter. Here's the conversation I was able to have with our Hindu neighbor. I'm still, you want to pray one thing for me? Pray, Johnny will come to Christ. I, there's a group of Indians in, like, from subcontinent of India that live in Birmingham. They're Christians. They have a once-a-month meeting. They asked me to speak at it. I said, well, can I bring a friend? I'm like, yeah. So I invited the guy to come. He didn't come. But when I'm meeting with my discipleship group, I I try to almost always talk about, here's the person I'm trying to share my faith with this week. Pray for this guy. And so when I told him, I'm like, I got this Hindu guy. There's this Indian thing. One of my disciples is like, that sounds awesome. He's like, can I come to that? I'm like, yeah, come on. From Selma, Alabama. He'd never been to an Indian Christian meeting, right? (laughs) He's like, I want to come. I want to spend my Saturday night doing that. It's good life on life, cross-pollination, right? Don't get Johnny didn't come, okay, but good stuff. Persevere, download, share. Remember, here's my personal basic definition of discipleship. It's a more mature believer mentoring a less mature believer to multiply. You've always got to have the third generation in view, even from day one. Otherwise, you're just going to end up playing musical chairs with a bunch of Christians inside the Christian fortress. And there's so many Christians out there in the Southeast, we can still do that, and we can feel really good about ourselves. We had a really good game of musical chairs last night. 20 new people in our musical chair game. Where'd they come from? Other churches, but who cares? They're with us now. 
listen, if they want to come to our church, great. Get them to come to our church, our ministry, whatever. We need to be going after the lost. So there's one guy that I discipled for a little bit, and I won't tell you any of his story, but if I did, and I've mentored a lot of different people over the years, I am convinced the sin that this guy has done in his own life is worse than anybody else I've ever discipled. Like, evil stuff. And this is a guy off the campus, married. And he and his wife used to fight a ton. And part of what I would do with them is I'd say, listen, if y'all get into one of y'all's yelling matches, whoever's the most sane in the moment, just call me. And even if I can't answer the phone, get my voicemail, you know, and be like, hey, she started it. She's yelling at me. I'm trying to run away from her. But... And they would, so a lot of times when one of them called, it's like, I'm going to answer the phone. It's going to be a yelling match. But I was trying to do something to calm him down. You understand? I mean, that's, that's the kind of person I'm dealing with. So I get a phone call from him one day. I'm walking. So I'm like, okay, what the heck? I'll answer this, right? <laughs> answer the phone. And I'm expecting a yelling match. And he's like, hey, man, I got a question. I thought, okay, what's going on? He's like, I was on a sales call today. And I uh, actually got to share the gospel with this person. And, and I'm wondering kind of what's the next step. Probably a week before that, I'd been talking to my wife. She knows this couple. And I said, if I can just keep these people married, that's a victory. I don't care about anything else, right? It's just like, it's like these, I don't think they're going to stay married. But if they'll just stay married, it's like I will feel like I have done my duty just keeping them married. And I didn't say it out loud, but basically what I was saying is, this guy will never be an evangelist. This guy will never share his faith. I think he's a Christian. But he's so freaking messy. Just staying married is going to be enough. He's out there sharing his faith. God takes demoniacs. God takes the town slut. God takes me. God takes you. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. God can use anybody. I mean, what's this really about, guys? This is about average Joe, average Jane Christians sharing the gospel. Come and see a man. Just teach him to say that. Just invite your friends to the meeting. Just invite your friends to the Bible study. That's all you got to do. I once was blind, now I see. There's a guy, he changed me. What's his name? I don't know. I don't even know his name. I mean, John 9, right? I don't even know his name. What kind of evangelism is that? There's this dude, he's amazing. What's his name? I don't know. <laughs> but it's better than nothing. Train him to share the gospel. Live it, model it, talk to them about it. If campus outreach has one good thing that we can offer up to the church, be, be a servant, be a minister, be a help maiden to the church, is this. I think we got a lot of great stuff. But it's like if there's one thing we need to be expert, it's like training average Joe, average Jane, share your faith, rest of your life. On the airplane, in your neighborhood, at the gym, at the hunting club, at the sewing club, whatever, right? Just normal life, share your faith. That's how the gospel spreads. Look at verse 38 again. I sent you to labor for that which you did not labor. I, excuse me. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. The Lord Jesus Christ has already done the really heavy lifting. Right? We, we've been talking about sowing, sowing. 
He literally sowed his life in hell to save us and to save a lot of other people. And we just get to go reap, guys. The price we pay is so minuscule compared to the price he's paid. We just, we just ought to basically never think about it. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you paid it all. Now we owe you all. But it's a debt of love. You're not a begrudging Savior. You're not an angry Master. You're so kind. You're so gentle. You're so wise. You're so compassionate. Thank you that you give us the privilege to be involved in ministry. Thank you, God, for us that we get to do this as a full-time job and get paid for it. Please make us faithful. Please make us effective. Please make us fruitful. For your glory, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching. 